You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. I just wanted to start today um, by reading a passage from the Bible. It's from Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles with you or if you have um, a Bible app on your phone, you might want to open it up. I'm reading from Ephesians and I'm going to actually read the message translation because I love the way that that phrases um, the word of God and just brings it into a fresh light for us. Um, So I'm going to read that passage. It's Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. Instead, immense in mercy... And with an incredible love, God embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus, to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Let me pray as we start. Lord God, I thank you that, uh, that you are here with us. Thank you that you are in our midst. Thank you that you want good for us, that you want us to grow and become all that you have made us to be. Thank you that you love us so much, that you shower your kindness and goodness upon us every single day. Lord, we pray that over this next little time that your blessing will be in this building. We pray for the kids in Kids Church, learning about making wise decisions. We pray for the youth who are meeting together and we pray for us here in this space. May your spirit be present. May you work in and through us. Bless us and grow us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, I've been at Pimble for six years. That's pretty incredible to contemplate, isn't it? And Phil and I, well, I'm currently in a bit of a sabbatical over the next six months. Phil is continuing leading worship and doing the worship ministry at Terrigal, and we're just having a bit of a break before we dive into what's next for us. And we're still praying through that season and working out what that is and hoping that God will lead us into ministry together in a church context. So we're quite excited about that and I'm really delighted to have a little bit of a sabbatical, a little bit of a recovery from six years full-time and in that midst having three kids and uh, working in a school that has 2,200 girls, 360 staff and for the first three years being um, the sole chaplain there. It was exhausting and led to a little bit of burnout and we got a second chaplain which has been fantastic and uh, now it's really nice to have a little bit of a break and to catch my breath a little bit. It's been a huge role at Pimble and probably the thing that I loved about it the most was being able to be a voice of difference, being able to present a message to those girls 
that was pretty countercultural, pretty different to what they were hearing everywhere else. When the rest of the world was telling them, you need to achieve and you need to get the best marks possible because you need to get into the best university course and you need to earn lots of money and you need to do all of these things to be okay, it was really exciting to be able to say to them, do you know what? None of that defines who you are. None of that defines your value and your worth. There is something completely different that is never shakable uh, that you can trust and rely on, and that's called God's love and God's grace. And it was such a privilege to be able to bring that message to those girls. I had one girl in my office um, one day, I will remember very distinctly, she was in tears, she was a mess, she was all over the place, just like just distraught. She wasn't sleeping. She was really struggling. She was stressed. And when we got to what it was that was really eating her up, it was her fear of what she was going to get in her HSC. She was so exhausted from the stress and the pressure of getting the right marks and getting good marks. Now, if this girl was in year 12, I would have understood that pressure and, uh, and, and, you know, that would have seemed somewhat reasonable and I still would have tried to point her to her value outside of her school marks. This girl wasn't in year 12, she was in year 8. She was in year 8 and was so stressed about her HSC marks. And I, so it really struck me, this, this moment with this girl really stuck in my, in my heart and in my mind because I thought, what is this world that she lives in that she is so pressured to be the best that she can be that four years out from some exams that actually don't really mean all that much, she can't sleep because of it. Now, I don't want to pick on this girl and I certainly don't want to pick on Pimble, the school, because I think they do an incredible job and are working really hard to try and change that message about the value of the HSC. But I'm curious about this girl and I'm curious about what was driving her. What was going on for her that she felt so much pressure to be something that she didn't feel like she could be, that she was so sucked into this way of thinking that it was eating her up from the inside. And, and I know that that was somewhat extreme for this girl to be at that point of stress in year eight, but I think that it's something that we maybe might resonate with, this pressure to be something we're not. Today I want to talk about a duality, two two different ideas that we sometimes hold as opposite ends of the spectrum, that we sometimes think, sometimes think are, are contradic contradicting ideas. And actually, I think that they're not two ends of the spectrum. I think they're part of the same picture. These two ideas, grace and growth, or if you want to think of them in other words, acceptance and improvement. Acceptance says how it is just as it is, how we are right here and now, is okay, is enough. I am enough. This acceptance is grace. I wonder if you can think right now about somewhere in your life, either now or in the past, where you've experienced that acceptance, that grace. Maybe someone else who loves you unconditionally, who stood by you through thick and thin. Someone who you know, will take you at your best and your worst. I wonder if you can think of someone in your heart and mind now who, who expresses that grace and acceptance for you. The other element, this improvement or growth, this says, let's be better. Let's change. Let's do things differently. I can do and I can be better. This idea of improving. 
I wonder if you can think of an area in your life where you are improving. Maybe you're forced to improve or maybe you're wanting to improve, wanting to change. It might be an external thing like renovating the house or uh, something to do with your job or maybe it's an internal thing that you're seeking improvement and growth in your life right now. Sometimes they seem opposing. Acceptance that says how it is right now is fine, is enough, no need for change. And growth and improvement that says, actually, it needs to be better. We need to change, we need to shift. Two different ideas that we live in. I want to start with the idea of growth, this idea of improvement. And I think, I think we get this. I think we get it really quite easily. Our world is full of this idea of change all the time. It's a social reality. This perpetual motion of updating and upgrading, renovating, expanding, accumulating. We have it in all areas of our life. I uh, was thinking about this and thinking about when I was a kid. Uh, I reckon for about at least 10 years in my family, I was the youngest of four girls, so we had six in the family, we had a phone... It was like a, a white, creamish colour rectangular thing with the handset and the grey cord and the grey press buttons. Does anyone remember those phones? Yeah? <laughs> May still have one somewhere. Um, and we, we were quite excited about getting this phone because it was, you know, a step up from the dial phones. Remember those? They were pretty cool. And we were excited about this touch button phone. And I reckon we had that one phone for the six members of my family for at least ten years. If I was a kid today in a family of six, how many phones do you reckon we would go through in 10 years' time? Like, I don't think we could even count, right? We go through them all the time. We update and we upgrade and, oh, that's two years old now? Better get rid of it. We need a new one. We live in this social reality of new, growing, improving, better, better, better all the time. This is the world we live in. We need the latest and greatest version of anything. And I think if we think about these two ideas of growth and grace, these ideas of improvement and acceptance, I think we lean towards this improvement idea more than, in, than the other. This student in my office, she wanted to be a better student. She wanted to be better than she was, and she thought who she was wasn't okay. She desperately wanted to be better and to change. And if I'm honest, if I think about it, that's a reality for me too, at times. There are times when I don't feel like I'm good enough at my job. There are times when I don't feel like I'm a good enough mum, a good enough wife, a good enough friend, a good enough daughter. <coughs> you name any area of my life and I can probably point to things that I wish were different, I wish were better, that I feel not so great about, that I wish could improve. And in that comes a little bit of guilt and a little bit of shame, this idea that I'm actually not doing a very good job I'm actually not okay. And the message that we tell ourselves is actually, oh, I'm not okay. Because if I'm not a good enough mum, a good enough wife, a good enough chaplain, a good enough whatever it is, then surely I'm not good enough. I'm not okay. And we get caught in this cycle, this trap of not being enough. And it's pretty exhausting. It's pretty exhausting. I think any working mum can relate to that experience. <laughs> But I think it's not just a working mum thing, I think it's a reality for all of us in this world we live, on, we live in. It's not a very sustainable place to live in because we're constantly driving for better and for change. And at times it can be because we're trying to prove that we are okay, to trying to be the better version of ourselves and, and because who we are isn't okay. 
And we get caught in this cycle, always growing, always doing more, always trying to improve, because there is no improved. We don't get there. There's always more improvement. There's always more growth, always more change to come. You know, if you're trying to get fit and healthy, you get to a certain level, but that's not enough. You've got to, get, you've got to go further. You expand and extend your house. Great, but let's go further. Let's build a bigger house. And we always want bigger. We always want more. And I think we either end up being disappointed or spent, just completely exhausted in the process, or maybe even both. And that place, if we live in that place, that deep place of trying to prove ourselves and being on the run to be better, this shame that comes in who we are. You know, and it shows up in all sorts of really gross ways. You know, the way where we kind of see someone else who has a better car, better house, better whatever. And they seem to have it all together. And we get really jealous of them and really bitter about what they're doing. And why can't I have it all together? They've got it all together. We get bitter and we get angry and we put on this big bravado. But actually inside we're really fragile and really, you know, quite broken and struggling in trying to be okay. That's kind of the extreme end of growth, the, the dark side of growth. But we can come back from that edge. We can come back from that dangerous edge to a place where we have a healthy, positive attitude for growth. I can be driven by an unhealthy and unrealistic body image and feel ashamed because I don't look a certain way. Or I can find a balanced, healthy way to make good choices for myself, to look after myself. I can be driven by the need to be the best at my job and try and outdo any of my colleagues. Or I can support my peers and celebrate their success, even when they surpass me. I can seek growth in my work, in my career, but not at any cost, not at the cost of my integrity or my relationships. I want to explore in a moment how we find that balance, how we come back from that unhealthy edge to a healthy balance of growth how we don't get so overwhelmed by shame. But first I want to have a look at this message of grace, this message of acceptance. Sometimes we think it's the other end of the spectrum. This is the message that I tried to speak to the girls at Pimble to say, you know, your marks don't define you. You have value somewhere else. To fail in a test is not to fail as a human being. It's the old adage, it's not whether you win or lose. When I think about grace, when I think about that acceptance, wholehearted acceptance, of course, as a mum, I think of my beautiful kids. Timmy's here with me this morning, not feeling 100%, so he's sticking up here with me. Aria, you might have seen running around downstairs, and Ruby's at a sleepover last night. But I thought it was a good excuse to show off my three adorable kids. And Phil, he says hello. They grow up so fast, right? And they are just adorable. I love them Absolutely. They bring such delight to my life. And I love them wholeheartedly. Not because of what they can do, not because of how they behave, not because of anything they can achieve or anything other than the fact that they are my kids. And I love them because they're my kids. This is acceptance. This is growth. This is the love that I experienced as a child in my family. And it is a blessing for me to be able to pass that on to my kids as well. Grace, this wholehearted acceptance that you never need to change. My kids don't need to behave any particular way for me to love them. It would be nice if they did behave the way I wanted them to sometimes. But they don't have to for me to love them. I love them just as they are, however they are. 
This is grace. And this, of course, is God's grace, God's love for us, God's acceptance. And it is so simple, but at times we just don't get it. We just, I, I speak for myself, we struggle to grasp it, to live in it. This message of grace, it's fairly central to everything we believe and say and do as members of God's family. I want to spend a little time in grace this morning. Because I can talk about my love for my kids, but God's love for us, God, our heavenly parent, our heavenly father, our heavenly mother, loves us so much more than we could ever love one another or our children. God's love for us is so deep. It was so beautiful singing that song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. So true when we sit in that love. The love that I have for my kids is just a fraction of God's love for me. God's love for me that isn't based on how well I speak this morning or if I get it all right or if I even come to church or if I do nice things or if I'm a good enough mum or wife or whatever. God's love for me isn't determined on by any of those things. God loves me because I am a child of God. God loves us because we are children of God. Nothing we can do or say to make God love us more. Nothing we can do or say to make God love us less. I find that quite phenomenal. I find that quite overwhelming. God's love for us. In the passage from Ephesians, we heard... Immense in mercy and with an incredible love, God embraced us and made us alive in Christ. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. There are lots of passages in the Bible that you can refer to about God's grace, God's saving grace that loves us so completely. Romans 3 and James 2 are some other passages that talk about God's incredible grace and love for us. That's not based on what we do, not based on any external matters. All we have to do is trust him enough to let him do it. Simple yet profound I am enough for God's love. I am enough. You are enough. We are enough. Just as we are. This is grace. I just want to sit there for a moment. Will you join me? Will you just close your eyes for a moment? And just sit in God's grace. Just listen to God's voice that says you are enough. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to be different in any way, shape or form. Just as you are. You are enough. There might be some other voices that come into your head as you sit here in this moment. Some voices that, you know, people that you know, your own voice, other people that tell you, you know, you actually know you're not good enough or, you know, tell you the ways that you need to improve or you're not doing well enough. Just politely or unpolitely, tell those voices to go away. They've got no space here. Listen to your creator's voice. You are enough. You are loved just as you are. 
Oh, I don't know about you, but that feels good to be there, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good to sit in that space, to dwell in grace? If we could dwell in grace a little more, if we could live in that space, set up shop, put our permanent address in this grace place, what a difference that would make. If I can grasp that I am loved and accepted and okay just as I am, that kind of changes my whole world. It gives me strength to face whatever comes. It gives me a foundation for life that changes everything. It actually tells me that, you know what, actually if, if I'm okay for God's love, you're okay just as you are. So if I can accept myself in God's grace, I can accept you. And not only am I in a better place, but we are in a better place because I can connect with you coming from a place of great grace and we can be okay together. When we live here, we find hope to overcome the darkness, courage to face the opposition, security that says, whatever marks I get, whatever promotion I get, whatever my house I live in, whatever car I drive, whatever my bank balance says, whatever I look like, it doesn't matter because what matters is that God loves me and I'm okay. I'm accepted and I am loved. This is grace. I've been really uh, challenged recently by uh, a woman from the States called Brené Brown. She's an American researcher and writer and speaker. If you look up her TED Talk, it's one of the most well-watched TED Talks. Brené Brown, highly recommend you looking it up. And she researches and writes about this idea. Her book is called Daring Greatly. And she talks about this idea of being enough. And so I, I love this idea of grace because it comes from the Bible and I love the idea because it makes sense in my life. And I love that there's research that backs up this idea of being okay and, and living in that acceptance, changing your life and changing your world. And if you want to read her research, I do so. I encourage you to do so. But this idea of grace, it's not her idea and it's not my idea. It's all God's idea. God's message to us time and time again through his Bible, that we are enough, that he loves us. So when we get this, when we live in this grace place, when we get it, we get life, we get love. We know that we are capable of living and being loved. When we don't get this grace thing, when we come out of that and don't dwell there, then we get caught in doing things in our own strength. We get caught in trying to make things right by ourselves. There's a passage in, in Romans 3 that says, Our lives get in step with if so, let me just clarify, sorry. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting God set the pace. We get in step with God and everyone else when we let God set the pace, when we live in his grace. Not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. So we can proudly run the parade and say, you know what, I've got it all sorted. I'm all right. I'm all right in my own strength. I'm doing okay. I don't, you know, yeah, God loves me, sure. But I'm, God loves me because I'm doing so well and look how well I'm doing. And we kind of get stuck in this little place and think, yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. I'm doing all right. And so actually we don't grow from that place. Or we anxiously try to improve and keep getting better and go, yes, let's get better. I've got, to, I've got to be better. I've got to prove myself. I've got to be okay. 
and we get into this exhausted treadmill that we live in. So if we, if we don't want to anxiously run the parade and if we don't want to proudly run the parade, we need to dwell in grace. We need to live in that place. And then actually what we want to do is grow from there. Grow from grace. See, God gives us his grace. God gives us his grace and loves us as we are. And then when we dwell there, when we live there, we go, hey, I want to grow. I want to grow from this place. I want to grow out of what God has done for me, from that foundation of acceptance. I want to tell you a little story about something that I've been playing with. All of these ideas, grace and growth, this Brené Brown stuff, it's what I've been reading and and learning about and what I'm living in at the moment and, and working out in my life. I don't have it all sorted. I don't have all the answers. But I'm really curious about exploring it. And I'm ex- curious about how, if I live and dwell in that grace, how that wants me to, how that inspires me to change and to want to be better, not to try and prove myself, not to try and make myself okay, but because I'm okay and I'm loved by God, then I want to grow. So I want to tell you a little bit about something I'm diving into this year, um, and not to tell you because I want to say, look how great I am. Not at all. It's actually a journey I'm on, and the whole purpose of it is the journey. I'm doing something a little different this year. I started it on the 1st of January and I plan to go through to the end of December, but I may even extend it longer. I'm not buying anything new this year. So I'm buying food and groceries and and medicine and school supplies, those kinds of things, toiletries, the consumables that we have to buy new. But apart from that, I'm not buying anything new. So I'm buying secondhand, loving buying secondhand stuff. And I'm making stuff from scratch, presents and things for people, but otherwise I'm going without. And when I share this story with people, when I tell them about what I'm doing this year, they kind of look at me like, what? Why would you do that? Why would you not spend money? Why would you not buy new stuff? It's so much fun going shopping. When I'm feeling down, I go shopping. I love buying new clothes. Why would you not buy new stuff? What about if your phone breaks? What will you do? Oh, I'll tell you, I'm wearing a really old daggy hat because my hat is broken. I'm wearing my husband's old glasses that really don't suit me, but, you know, that'll do. My phone cover's breaking and pretty dead, but do you know what? I'm actually surviving without buying a new one. It's been a really interesting learning experience for me. And I'm doing it because I know God loves me. And I know that no matter how new my clothes are or how in fashion I am or not, or whether my sunglasses suit me, or whether my phone case is broken and busted or not, or whether I have anything new, none of those things define who I am. None of those give me my value. And so I'm just exploring that and playing with that. I'm living in God's grace and saying, God, I don't want my spending or those external things to define me. I want your love to define me. And I'm dwelling in that and I'm growing so much. I'm discovering new things. It's really interesting psychologically when I go into the shopping centre and I'm like, oh, look at that jacket. I want that jacket. But I don't need that jacket. That jacket's not going to change anything about who I am. Why not instead, instead of spending time and money buying new stuff, why not dwell in grace for a little while longer and coming back? to who I am in God, wrapping myself up, not in a new jacket, but in God's love. So it's been an interesting journey and I'm certainly enjoying the process. 
And I tell you that just to share a little bit of my story right now. But I really want to ask you, what about you? What about your story? How are you dwelling in grace at the moment? How can you soak in God's love a little bit more in your life right now? Where do you need it? Where do you need that grace, that message that says who you are right now, where you are, is enough? How could you live in that? And how might that change how you live your life? How might that inspire you to grow? What's an area of your life that you might want to bring before God to say, Lord God, I know you love me, but I want to grow more here. Not to prove myself, but to receive more of God's grace and love. We are enough. And with this grace as our foundation, we can choose to grow into all that we are able to be. We can choose to give from all that we have been given. From grace, we can grow and we can give. I don't know which way I'm going. There we go. The rest of the passage in Ephesians, I just want to remind us of that. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. Not out of a place of needing to prove ourselves and improve, but out of a place of grace and love. We grow and we give back. Let me pray.